Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 224 of the world's greatest Cincinnati Reds podcast. I'm Chad Dotson, joining me again today. Our old buddy back finally, uh, back home after uh, some time uh, down in sunny Florida, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? Uh, 10 days in Key West. Uh, I'm in the road to recovery. <laughs> 10 days in as, Key West. As I, said to you, as I said to you off air, 10 days down there, my liver, my liver tapped out at about <laughs> day eight, you know, it, it just gave up and it's a, you know, it's a, you know, I'm divorcing you. It's, it sounds like a, uh, that's a title of a, you know, sitcom or a, some kind of goofy movie, 10 days in Key West. I want to see that movie. So it's, it's a buddy comedy. It stars, uh, Will Ferrell and, uh, and no, it's got to be somebody that's funny. You can't have Will Ferrell. Oh man! All right, I got to find another ho- co-host for this week. Well, you know the best, the best Key West movie of all time. What's that? Running Scared, Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines. You know, I'm a I'm a movie guy, but I don't think I've ever seen that one. Oh, it's it's it, they're Chicago cops, and they are high. They, they, their boss sends them out of town to hide from this gangster for a short period of time, and they go to Key West, and they get down there, and they're Chicago people, and they quickly go native. <laughs> that's it, interesting it's a, it's a it's a fun it's a fun funny movie yeah the the, uh, the best one i've seen academy award winner no no but <laughs> uh but entertaining that's half the battle very much so i don't know if i've ever seen a key west movie that didn't have uh, humphrey bogart in it that was key largo there oh key largo there you go uh okay. good good movie um okay so you know, we're not here to talk about movies although i could do that for for an hour um we're here to talk about the cincinnati reds Bill, are you excited to talk a little bit about Cincinnati Reds baseball? Are we sure we want to talk about movies? <laughs> well, in retrospect, uh, on second thought, maybe we should uh, – something else other than baseball because, uh, yeah, the Reds have lost six of their last seven. It's not going so well, Bill. Well, let's be honest. They've stank since the All-Star break. How's that possible? I was told that there was a winning culture around the Reds when they didn't make any oh, trades. And, and, and we were ready to, you know, we were ready to hand the job to Jim Riggleman. Oh, yeah, give it to him. What a great job they're doing. The general manager, Nick Crawl, after they didn't trade uh, Matt Harvey, we're going to talk about that in a moment, said, yes, well, sir. said, hey, we got to keep up this positive momentum. Well, and, and, you know, and, and I don't mean to sound like their, 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 their struggles are based are, are, are to Jim Riggleman's to blame. He, he gets as much blame as anybody else. He's not helping, but, but yeah. But no more than others, you know. Right. Yeah. He, know. he gets no more blame than he should have gotten credit. I loved uh, in uh, this week's game, uh, the second game of the series against Milwaukee, uh, they have two runners on base and no outs, and uh, I think the Reds are up one run at the time. It's fifth, sixth he inning. Bunted. Did he bunt? Imagine that's where we're going here. He called for Michael Lorenzen to bunt, and he fouled it off. So he called for Michael Lorenzen to bunt again, oh, yep. and Lorenzen fouled it off. And then called with an 0-2 count, called for Lorenzen to bunt again. And there's this play where Lorenzen was almost hit by the pitch and then but got out of the way and pulled the bat back, so they just called it a foul ball. So uh, so he he didn't ask Lorenzen to bunt on the next pitch, and you know what happened, of course. He allowed the ballpark, didn't he? Yeah, three-run home run. So it's yep. just the perfect example of – Never bunt, just always hit dingers. Well, you know, the thing is, and, and, and Lorenzen right now is probably their, what, sixth or seventh best hitter? He leads the team in OPS, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy. Oh, before before we get too far into this, I, I was looking around on Red Leg Nation when I got back. That's a mistake. And I saw that it, you had been up in the booth to see our friend Chris Welsh. Yes, uh, you know, I, I got the Bill Lack tour. And, and, you know, I've been up there many times. You know, Chris has been kind enough to invite me and myself and my wife up a number of times. You've been up there in uh, on the road, too, in Milwaukee, You're right? Been up in Milwaukee and was treated very well by the Brewers people. Uh, but we've never been talked about on air. <laughs> so now, what, but I figured out why that is. Tell me why that is. I know what you're going to say. We don't bribe them. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that I took a couple of books. Uh, and I even took my books. I didn't, the yeah, big, well, yeah, I'm not sure how much of a bribe that is. I mean, Christmas parts are really good, but the stuff, you know, I just, yeah, really. anyway. The Big <laughs> 50, I, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds, buy it at all yeah, your local yeah, I did store. kind of figure out what the key to the castle is, you know. So I, I'm going to have to tell Chris, I'm going to have to bring him, you know, a beer or something. When yeah, we, an we ice get, cream or again. something. 
No, that, you know, we've talked about that on the podcast, and uh, you and I haven't had a chance to talk to it because you've been gone, but you're right. It was, and I, we've said for years, Welsh is just, he's the best, and, and I, I think I said it on the podcast when we talked about it, but i got to say it again. The way he treated my son, uh, and Jim Day, but uh, but Chris especially, he, he took time between innings to talk to my son, and it wasn't just, hey, he, hey kid, what's up? It was asking him questions about his his team and his school, and um, and it really made my son, it gave me plenty of dad points, as I said. Um, and I just, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do any of that. He could have been like, all right, nice book. Thanks. You know, um, I know you're friends with Bill Lack, but I don't really like you. Uh, I like Bill. I know you're friends with Bill Lack. I will hold it against you. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you know, I just, uh, I've just got a lot of, uh, Jim Day as well was, was so nice, but Chris especially was just uh, the best. So that was fun. And, uh, yeah, I'll, if you want, I'll, I'll I'll write another book so that you can take it to him next time. Chris, Chris is a class act. There's, there's no doubt about that. And, and, and we've been very, Linda and I have been very lucky in the number of times we've been up there. We've, we've met uh, Tom Brenneman, who was also, we met him in Milwaukee. He was very, very nice to us. And um, we met George Day, and or not George Day, George Grand a, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He, he may be the nicest man on the face of the earth. Yeah, he's one of those that's just... He's not one. Of, he's not one of my favorite announcers right. doing, doing a game. But boy, what a nice man! He's grown on me. But he's one of those guys that I always. I've got a couple that I know uh, in real life. Uh, one's a colleague, and I'm just like, man, he's he's so nice. It just sort of makes me uncomfortable because I just yeah. I can't. I, what's I just, wrong with him? Right? What's, yeah. What's he hiding? He's too genuine to, for it to be real, and it's not. I, I, think, I think that may have something to do with what you do for a living that makes you think that way, brother. Well, that's probably true. That's probably true. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I didn't mean to get us off on a tangent there, as we always do. But I, you know, I did want you to know that your your bribery did not go unnoticed. <laughs> well, it worked because uh, you talked about us and about the book. On, uh, on on the air, so and I really wasn't expecting that. I just wanted, to, you know, he'd been Chris had been good to us on Red Lake Nation Radio. He's been on here like seven or eight times, and he's oh, always dear. generous with his time. And so, really, I, I took was going to take him the book, just thanking him, you know. And so, uh, you know, it, it it was nice. It was it was good. So, what do you think he's about what do you think about this? I'm going to drop this on you. Haven't I, I said it on Twitter last night, uh, sort of in jest, but I started thinking about it. And I was like, hmm. Chris Welsh as the next Reds manager. I think Chris. I don't think Chris would want the job. I don't. I don't either. No, I don't either. But I'll tell you what. I think they could do a lot worse. He's a former player, so he'd have some cachet with the players. He is absolutely open to uh, advanced concepts and analytics. I don't know how he'd be, but I'd I'd rather have him than Jim Riggleman, sight unseen. Well, I mean, and, and how would he be any different than somebody like Aaron Boone taking over the Yankees? Right. Yeah. I mean, really, he's been, he's never been away from baseball, you know, maybe at some point, you know, for a couple of years when he first retired, but not in the last 20. No, he's been around the game, local yeah. guy. Um, I, I know everybody loves Barry Larkin and he, Barry Larkin's my favorite player of all time, uh, other than maybe one other person I can think of, but, um, I would rather have Chris Welsh than Barry Larkin as manager. Cause we, we know that Chris Welsh is open to advanced concepts. Barry Larkin might be. But we just don't know that. There's no way well, to know and, it. And if you go by the you know, the way he used to talk when he was working for ESPN, wasn't it ESPN or was it MLB? Yeah. Uh, he didn't sound that way. It's kind of like, it's and it was kind of weird because it kind of reminded me of listening to Morgan. Even Joe Morgan. Morgan. That's who I was going to say. Joe Morgan. Yeah. Morgan, though Morgan played that way, he didn't talk that way. You know, when uh, Chris Garber and I were writing this book, uh, the Big Fifty, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds. Can you go three minutes without mentioning? <laughs> no, come on, man. Everybody, go, go by. That, you mention it on the bench. <laughs> I do. No, I absolutely actually I don't. But uh, uh, we talk about uh, Joe Morgan because we did dedicated a chapter to Joe Morgan, and there, I think there's a line that actually made it into the final cut of the book. I'm not sure it actually made it or not, but that basically said, you know, for a guy who really played uh, baseball in a, in a modern way that would be appreciated today. You know, with the patience, you know, taking a walk when it's there, uh, you know, everything he did was, would be so well regarded today. He'd be considered just uh, the, he'd be up there with Mike Trout, frankly. Um, but to listen to him talk when he used to announce games, he was just not, not even, uh, you know, he was hostile. He was hostile to that sort of, uh, you know, the advanced thinking, the money ball. Uh, as they call it. It's just a strange thing. And, and you don't know if Barry Larkin's like that. Uh, if maybe he's evolved over the last few years. I don't know. 
But uh, Chris Welsh, we know, has evolved. Chris Welsh has been, has been very open-minded, and he's trying to drag Tom Brenneman, I think, uh, kicking and stream, screaming with him. But um, I don't know. That's just a thought. I, I, a guy like Chris Welsh. You're talking, you talking about Morgan. You know what you, the title of your chapter was. I just looked. What Baseball was it? Genius. What was it? Baseball genius. Yes. Joe Morgan. And he was. The way he played. The way he played, right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I've said this on here many times, that, that 75 and 76 – he was the best player I have ever seen. Yeah. I mean, probably the best second baseman in history. I don't get to watch Trout every day and stuff like I did Morgan. But, and, and you know, going off, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. We, and, and I think you and I have talked about, maybe we've talked about this on here. I know we've talked about it off air. But compare, talking about Billy Hamilton and, and the first base thing. Morgan, it used to be, now I may, I'm remembering, so I may be misremembering or maybe over-remembering, but I can remember Morgan drawing four, five, six, seven throws to first base, driving that pitcher absolutely insane. And you never see that anymore. You really don't. And, and I, I, I believe then and I believe now that you, you can throw a pitcher out of whack. Now he now nowadays maybe he'd just give you second base before he'd throw over there seven times. Maybe. It's a different it's a different game. And, play, know, and, I, right. I, and I know that. But anyway, I, I was just getting off on a tangent there. But Morgan used to drive for those of you that were are, are too young to have seen Joe Morgan play, especially in the early early seventies when he was even still when he was in Houston, through seventy six with the Reds. He was the most disruptive player on the base pass in baseball, in my opinion. And the best, at 75 and 76, he was the best all-around player in baseball, bar none. He could do everything. Can, can I say this? You're good at going off on a tangent. <laughs> it's sort of what you do. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm, I'm, glad I'm worth I'm good at something. You know, I'm like, you, know, they, you know how when you're growing up, they tell you everybody's good at something? I'm, I'm 60, and I'm still looking for mine. <laughs> well, keep, well that, that may be it, but if not, keep that looking. May be, that may be all there is. There you go. Uh, yeah, you know you're right about Morgan. And uh, Although you think that you, th- you really think he's the best player, best red you've ever seen during those two years, or best player you've ever seen? In those two years, he was the best player that I saw. Uh, I can actually think of one red that I would put, maybe for just a one-year period I would put above him take a guess you got to know who I'm talking about in those in, in what years are we talking about during the big red machine Aaron? I'll just say it's post big red machine oh it's, it's well, Eric Davis had a better year if you're talking about what, what was it 80 87 yeah there's a chapter in the book about 87 the book of course is called the big 50 the minute moments that made this since <laughs> That's not the guy I was thinking of, though. That's a good one. I mean, Every time you mention the book, you owe me a dollar. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But when, but when you get up to sixteen dollars and ninety-five cents, you got to go buy the book. I've already bought the book. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And, th- and thank you for that. Um, no, I was more thinking of Davis. That's a good one. But I was really more thinking of Lizardo. Lizardo. God. Pornia. I don't. You know, I don't play this game. I've told you this. I don't play this game. There he goes again. There he goes again. <laughs> I mean, you, and you can make the argument for Foster in '77, who was incredible. Yeah, that was, that was all offense. Morgan was bases, hitting, defense, leadership. I mean, think about the two years. Uh, I guess it's '95 and '96. I think were his best two years. Barry Larkin. He won the MVP one of those years, and I think the next year he had a, if I'm remembering correctly, even better year statistically. And you're talking about a guy that was a gold glover, MVP, you know. And a shortstop. And a shortstop. But even that, and again, Larkin's my all-time favorite player. Um, Even that, I I agree with you. Morgan was just a force of nature. He was, was, you know, four foot nine. He weighed 98 pounds during that first MVP season. (laughs) I I, I think. uh, I'll tell you what, though. You know, they talk about a player playing with a chip on his shoulder. You got the feeling every day that, Pete, that, that Joe Morgan played with a chip on his shoulder, kind of, kind of like Pete Rose. Yeah. And, and I think that, that I don't think Morgan would have ever been as great a player as he became if he hadn't come here. I think you're right. I think he would have been a great player. I think he'd, I think, I think he'd have been a very good player. I don't think he'd have been a Hall of Famer. Oh, wow. I don't know about I, that. I think playing 
with Rose, bench. especially with Rose, but also Bench and Perez and, and Concepcion. I mean, let's go, you can go on and on. But I think that drove Morgan because he wanted to be the best guy on the team. And he had some guys to compete with. It was, you know, the bar was pretty freaking high. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I think the difference is between he would have been a Hall of Famer versus what he is now, which is inner circle Hall of Famer, maybe the best second baseman that ever lived. Maybe, if, but you know, if you, if you, I, you know, I'd have to go back and look at his Houston numbers, and 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 and, and then you have to wonder would they have continued to climb, or you know, yeah. if he was playing in Houston where he wasn't winning. And also, you know, frankly, Riverfront Stadium was great for him for his game, and we got into that in the book, the Big Fifty that men and. Mo- there's a dollar. <laughs> there he goes again. <laughs> um, but but he he learned he studied how to use that uh, astroturf to help him. So oh, yeah, man, I didn't know we were going to have a Joe Morgan podcast, but really, I that, didn't either. That's I didn't a, either. But we really probably ought to get back to talking about something somebody'd be interested in other than us. I guess. But if you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, you're probably interested in Joe Morgan too, because he is fascinating. We could spend a whole podcast, but let's get back to the current day. Reds. I would love. There's there's an interview that I'd love to get sometime. I'd love to sit down and talk to Joe. Oh, I think it'd be fascinating. We and you and I have talked about some of the guys we'd love to yeah. ultimately, and we've we've gotten some great interviews on here. But that's one that would be fantastic, just because he's a he's a legend, an absolute legend. So, I, and I don't know if we've talked since the hall since the Reds Hall of Fame, but congrats, kudos to our our buddy Fred Norman. Yes, and 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 you get to take some credit for that because you got Fred Norman on the uh, and it's a fascinating two part interview, I believe. Yeah, it was a long one. He he gave us a lot of. He was very generous with his time. But I don't know that he was on the radar for the Hall of Fame until you interviewed him and we publicized him on Red Leg Nation Radio. Uh, we'll take credit for that, just like we did Devin Mazzarocca's uh, Minor League Player of the Year. That's right, exactly. <laughs> and Tucker Barnhart, Gold Glove, but he was here yeah. first, you know. And what a great guy he is! Oh, absolutely. And that's another guy we need to reach out to and get him, we need back. To get back, him back on board. Yeah. Yeah. Cause anyway, can we go back to. Where were, were we going to talk about Matt Harvey? Is that where we're going next? Oh, uh, let me ask you this. Are we really going from Joe Morgan to Matt Harvey? Um, we have to. I don't know, but, you know, somebody could get whiplash. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, really. Let's talk about Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey, of course, is a pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. He's probably going to be a pitcher. Still for the, a pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, he'll, he's probably going to spend the rest of his career in a Reds uniform because Bob Castellini, owner of the Reds, loves him. He was, uh, you know, at the end of July, we were like, well, the Reds didn't trade him at the at the non-waiver trade deadline. And so, well, but maybe they can still get it, trade him in August, and they didn't get any good offers, whatever. Well, they tried to get him through waivers. He was claimed by Milwaukee. And so, at that point, the way the, the waiver trade deadline works at the end of August is the only team that the Reds could trade him to was the team that claimed him. So, there's 48 hours to work out a trade with Milwaukee. And 48 hours later... Matt Harvey is starting for the Cincinnati Reds. Now, uh, and, and, and I was I was out of as, as we said earlier, I was kind of out of the loop as all this was going on. I wish I were in Key West when that was going on. <laughs> do we know? Do we have any? Has there been any rumors or anything about what exactly was going on? I mean, I just assumed the, the Brewers lowballed him because they knew they really there wasn't any reason to hang on to it. Right. Uh, I, I, the the scuttlebutt, and this is just what I've heard sort of uh, in, through the grapevine, and you can't really take any of it as gospel, is that the, the Brewers did not offer much, but that Bob Castellini was insisting on more because Bob Castellini likes Matt Harvey. My, my honest 100% belief is that the Reds would have tra- or traded or even given away, traded him for whatever the Brewers offered just to get something instead of hanging on to him if it were not for Bob Castellini. That's my understanding, my educated guess. There was a blurb in the Cincinnati Enquirer today or yesterday. must have been yesterday because I don't think I read the paper today. But um, where he said that, you know, it's possible he might sign here. I don't believe that for a second. Scott Boris Scott- is his agent. Is going to take him or whoever gives him one dollar more, and it may be Cincinnati. Man, I don't want the Reds to win a bidding war on Matt Harvey. Well, I, I don't think they will because I think somebody will offer him a offer a dollar more than the Reds will. 
Maybe. I mean, I think the jury is still out as to whether he'll get any kind of a real offer because the, the free agent market was soft last winter and, and maybe again this year. And But I don't like the idea of the Reds bidding against anyone for a guy who's going to be 30 years old, who is uh, has had shoulder surgery, who has had elbow surgery, who has been awful and was designated for assignment by the worst team in the world, the Mets, recently. I think that's a very poor investment of capital. And I worry that the Reds are going to do it because – they feel like he, because Bob Castellini feels like he's done well since he's been here, which he's done okay, but he's still been a below-average pitcher. If you look at the numbers, he's been below-average since he's been here. Sure, he's been better than almost anyone else the Reds have had, but that's not a that's not a way to look at it. Set the bar pretty low. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um, go ahead. This, this goes back to something that you. I, I was listening to one of your you and Jason, and. You guys were talking about Castellini being – things are really starting to point to the fact that Castellini may be the problem in the front office. There's too much smoke there for there not to be fire. And, and, and I want to talk about you guys meeting with the front office guys at the Reds game a few weeks ago. I want to talk about that in a minute. But the problem with Castellini being the problem is that's the hardest freaking problem to fix then. You can't fix it. You can't fire the owner. He, and he has the right. It's his team. He has the right to stick his nose in wherever he wants. Yeah. But a smart owner don't do that. No, no. I mean, uh, Richard Skinner, uh, you know, uh, local television personality, Richard Skinner. I was on his podcast um, this week, and we were talking about Billy Hamilton. And I think that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about because I can sympathize with uh, Bob Castellini. He's, a number of people have reported that he is a uh, big fan of Billy Hamilton. Love, wants Billy Hamilton to retire as a Red. And man, I get that. <laughs> I know. You and I have had that. I get it. I get it. But well, and you and I talk about that. Owners should never fall in love with players. Right. I, I love Billy Hamilton. It's a recipe for disaster. But come on. You've got to let your baseball guys just say, hey, this is not the best way, for, you know, the best way to move the team forward. And, and and even I would concede, as much as I love Billy, come on, he's a comic book superhero, but probably a fourth outfielder, you know, pinch runner, late inning defensive replacement, where he can really help a good team in that role. He's a comic book character, kind of like Jughead. You, you really going there, Bill? Now, now, didn't he go through waivers also at the same time Harvey did? No, I don't. I, oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And he was, was he claimed? He was claimed by someone. No trade worked out. Yes, he was claimed, but we don't know. As far as I so can it tell, it wasn't reported who he was claimed by. It was the same kind of thing, though. And they didn't trade him. Okay. So, again, it was exactly the same thing. Then. Yeah. Well, yeah, two of uh, Castellini's favorites. But, now, listen, I can, and I'm partial to Billy, but I can I can really make a good case, I think, that Billy Hamilton can be a part of the next good Reds team. Uh, the question is going to be how much not it's going to cost. Money, not for the amount of money they're going to be spending for him. Okay. Nope. Th- th- yes, and that's that's a possibility. He, he may be priced out of that, but he can play a role on a good team if you're willing to pay him. Um, but as a starting center fielder, man, that's it's tough to make that case at this point. It's really tough. He had four hits the other night, though, Bill Lack. Yes, he did. He's up. The, he's the batting average is all the way up to 243. Oh, whoa. You can say whatever you want about Billy Hamilton, but his batting average is higher than mine would be in the, the major leagues this year. Or in the little leagues when I was 11. <laughs> <laughs> so so let, let, let's spin back to the to the, uh, to the the Reds game, the Red Leg Nation Reds game, when you guys were, were – you guys had the privilege of spending some time with the front office. Yeah, you didn't show up because you had this some kind of trip to Key West going on. We were leaving early the next morning, and my wife said, if you go to the ballpark – I'm taking somebody else to Key West, and there were, I, there was stuff planned, and I just really couldn't allow that to happen. Can I say this? I've met your wife. You made the right decision. Oh, she could do much better. <laughs> but, I, but I don't know many men that couldn't say that. Oh, I could say that, uh, certainly. So, but anyway, uh, you wanted you anyway, were going to say back to this, and, and I, I, what I want to know is, did you have anybody in there that's as rude as I am? Because we all know what happened two years ago when. Brandon I Phillips. braced him about Brandon Phillips. I just, <laughs> I just threw it right out there. And for those of you that were at the game uh, two years ago when we had a sort of a more open uh, public event, we're hoping to do that again uh, next year. 
Yeah, we were we were we were with the Reds reporter people, weren't we? We were with the Red reporter people, and um, and we had, and a lot of readers. It wasn't just the writers. This year it was just the Red League National writers. Oh, okay. Um, and so uh, yeah, but Bill Bill was uh, I was on pins what? and needles the whole time because I was afraid he was gonna say something about like what I did. Phillips. And you did it. And basically, I asked, "Why is Brandon Phillips still here?" Yeah. I mean, basically, that's what I. I mean, I, I I put it a little better than that, but yeah, well, he's so not he, still here. My question. Um, but look, Did anybody brace the front office people and say, we started our rebuild at the same time the Braves did and the Phillies did? Where are, why are they where they are and we are where we are? Yeah. And, and, and who is to blame? Yeah, all right. You texted me this question, and you know, so you know the answer. Um, no one did, and I wish we had. We had we, – I don't think we were soft on them in the questions that we, we asked them. You bunch of weenies. <laughs> Matter of fact, there were some that made me uncomfortable, uh, as much as your Brandon Phillips one. But I think that's an excellent question, and I would love to know the answer. But I'll say this, and and you know, it wasn't necessarily off the record our discussion, but you know, uh, they were nice enough to sit down and answer some questions. And I don't want to reveal too much, uh, you know, specifically. But I will say this, and I'm very comfortable saying this. It, they conceded to us that they are behind where they thought they would be. Um, and why that's the case, there are lots of, you know, lots of theories, I guess. And and they danced around that, why it's the case. But there was a concession that they are behind where they expected to be at this point in the rebuild. And, um, you know, I guess that's the closest I can get to answering what your question is. But I think it's a legitimate question. I mean, you, you can't say anything, but this franchise is a mess. Well, it, it's a mess. I think how, it, how many pitchers have they developed out of them? 700 of them they had coming into the beginning of last year. Okay, that's fair. The flip side is this offense is very likely to be one of the top offenses in baseball next year. Do, do you disagree with that? Add Nick Senzel to this group? I am not ready to say. I think that's possible. Okay, I think that's fair. you got to wonder whether Joey Votto's age is catching up with him. And I want to talk to you about that. Uh, whether Jeanette, I mean, Jeanette's now put two good get years together. Yeah. But he's going to get a contract in the offseason, probably. Will he come back in and be the same player with, a big, with big money? I mean, Chris Welsh talked about that a little bit when we had him on. And what position is he playing? Well, exactly. You know, uh, Nixon Zell yeah. was named this week as the best defensive shortstop in AA by Baseball America. Shortstop or second baseman? Second baseman, I'm sorry, second baseman. The best uh, defensive I second I read baseman. That. Yeah. Um, you know, Jesse Winker has had a good basically one season now. Two thirds of a season, really, but enough to know that he's he's gonna get on base. Yeah. Um you know, but you know, you still got they got to figure out what they're doing in, in the outfield. Shevler um, Shevler cannot appear to stay healthy. Right, that's one thing we heard is that they they love Shevler, or they are okay with Shevler and Winker on the corners. But you're right, health is a big issue. Those guys have missed substantial time this year. And and you know, you talk about Senzel. I mean, you keep going back to I keep going back to what Chris Welsh said. He thinks Senzel could play center field. I think uh, that's a, which I think is an interesting idea. But but if but if the Reds were considering that, you would have think they would have thought it, they they would have looked at that this year. Well, that was our discussion. Uh, that is one of the tougher questions: is why didn't you play him there? Because they did say that um, they think he could play outfield. They didn't specify specify where, but could play outfield and be an a very good defensive outfit. They think he could play defense, frankly, anywhere on the field other than catcher and maybe shortstop. They weren't convinced at shortstop, but anywhere else they think he can be a plus defender. Well, and then again, I mean, then the question is, well, why did you not figure that out while he was still healthy enough to play? Well, the answer was that they thought they had all season, basically, I think. Um, So they weren't, they had no plans to bring him up is what you're telling me. I didn't get uh, I didn't get the warm fuzzy feeling that they because that was actually my first question. Uh, it, it, to put it, uh, you know, I don't know, how, I put it diplomatically, I guess, but I was like, "What's the deal? Why wasn't 
Senzel up here immediately because you know me. We, you and I have talked about this. That's what's been upsetting me all year. I think Senzel should have been with the team at the moment that Eugenio Suarez was injured there in the first month of the year. I thought he should have been here because I look at these other teams. The Braves are bringing up all their 21-year-olds. The did, National- did you guys ask that kind of question? Is Why are we so slow moving our guys along? We did. We did and got uh, – you know, not a great we think answer. We think it's the right way of doing business. Well, we it's it's the same thing we've heard publicly, out, you know, outside of those meetings, which is that their organizational philosophy, and I disagree with it. I told they, them they and, guys up, and they don't, so they never have to go back down. Yes, and Chris Welsh, Chris Welsh talked about that also, which he also disagrees with. I think it's a terrible idea, and I and, you know I've told them, and I say it here publicly just about every week which is that I think they're too slow to, to push guys along. Taylor Trammell should be in at least double-A. Uh, I think he should be finishing this season in triple-A. I think you need to push these guys. The Washington Nationals have had two 19-year-olds in the last five years play for them. Bryce Harper and Juan Soto. Now, do we have anybody like that? Maybe not. But when you've got a talent like Nick Senzel is and like Jonathan India is, this year's first-round pick, I think you got to push those guys. But the Reds disagree with that. So you get another place where we disagree with what the front office is doing. And, and, the, and the thing is, this has been an operational th- or a, an organizational philosophy for a long time. This isn't just with these guys. Absolutely. So, so, so tell well, me. Let, me what- let me say this, though. There's one guy I remember them pushing a little bit. And that, well, maybe, maybe two. Jay Bruce, they pushed a little bit. Uh, Homer Bailey, Jay, maybe. Jay almost forced them to. Well, he was so great. But because I, his numbers were so astronomical. And the other one was Adam Dunn. Uh, what about the only Hall of Famer they've had, potential Hall of Famer since Barry Larkin? Of course, I'm talking about Liesel. No, I'm talking about Joey Votto. Well, they didn't push Votto. They didn't push. Yes. He sat in AAA. When there's no played, question he was better than he Scott Hatterberg. He played season a double-A ball when he was tearing the cover off of it, if yeah, I he, remember right. Now, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not looking at his numbers right now. He was ready 18 months before they brought him up. And, and he gave an interview, I don't know, a couple years ago where he was a little, still a little salty about that. But Well, there were a lot of people that didn't buy into Joey Votto. I mean, Chris Welch, <laughs> and I, you know, he I know, yeah. years, you know, and Chris will readily admit now how, how wrong he was. But, uh, you know, it, it, so, so tell me why we should be positive for next year. Here's why we should be positive. Here's why we should be optimistic. Because the Reds are very likely to have one of the better offenses in baseball. They've rebuilt they, the offense. They've got to get deeper. They have to get deeper, but, I mean, they're they're getting there. Guys like Philip Irvin are showing they can be backup guys, and I think they have it. And Senzel's going to get in the picture next year, so they're going to be well, they, that was something you and Jason talked about the other day, and why some of these guys aren't playing every day is just beyond me. What's the point of not playing Irvin and, and Dilson Herrera and these guys? Yeah, they should be playing every. You should be finding somewhere for them to play every day. What's the? Why not? What's the downside? You're not going to get Preston Tucker more at bats. Get out of here with Preston Tucker. They just sent him back down. Let me tell you about Preston Tucker. I don't care about Preston Tucker. <laughs> He's he. We're never he gonna, his feelings. Five years from now, I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, I remember that guy, Preston no, you Tucker. Don't. You'll be going, no, I don't remember that guy. Yeah, I'll pull up Baseball Reference. There's always a couple guys you don't remember. Yep. Preston Tucker will be one. I mean, you know, what's the point? But Dilson Herrera, that guy can hit. Let's give him yep. a chance and see what he can do. Can he? Because they're out of options. So yeah, yeah you, got, you got to figure them. You, yeah, this is a you know you aren't going to figure out anything in spring training next year that you couldn't be figuring out now. Right, exactly. Now's the time to figure it out. Yes, but but your question: Why should we be optimistic? And, and it's very simple. I truly one hundred percent believe that if the Reds go out and acquire two good pitchers, now I'm not saying it's easy to do that, but if they so can, good. I think number three starter, at least one of number three, and at least one of one or two. Say a three and a two. Yeah, because there aren't that. There just aren't that many ones. There are not that many. So let's not get crazy. If they can acquire one, great. But if they can acquire two pitchers of that level, 
I think this team is a playoff caliber team next year. That's why to be optimistic. Now, do we think the front office is going to have their hands tied so they can't do that? I don't know, but I think it's possible that this team can be playoff worthy next year by the acquisition of two players not named Matt Harvey. I think they got to make some moves. They, they've got to change. They got to change the roster up. The whole roster, or just the. I mean, Tim, just, what do you mean by that? It's the, to add depth. Well, you know, we, no we keep hearing about how good the Reds, the Reds minor league system is. And what? Who was the last good player that they developed? Well, they didn't develop Lisa Alberto. There he goes again. <laughs> there he goes again. There he goes again. <laughs> uh, you know, Suarez wasn't developed here. Uh, you know, if Senzel comes up and is something, you can make that argument. But before that, what are you going to say? Jay Bruce? Joey Votto? Billy Hamilton? I said good players. I know, right? Uh, Billy Hamilton, you can say everything you want to say about him. He's not a good player. Bill, I'm not going to sit here and listen to you. I'm not going to listen to your defamation of Billy Hamilton. Unique skill set. I will. That, that's as far as I'll go. Oh, I'm I'm seriously upset right now. I mean, I am like boiling. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> you don't care. Do you? You'll get over it, or you won't. You know. Uh, you're <laughs> but right. nobody comes up with the with the. And you and I talked about this somewhere else. Uh, you know, off air. The players in the Reds organization. When they come to the Reds, especially the pitchers, that's as good as they ever get. Well, not Joey Votto. No, I said pitchers. Oh, pitchers. Pitchers are right. They don't seem to get any better. Whether they weren't coached up enough before they got here, I don't know what the answer is. And God knows that, you know, these guys know a hell of a lot more than I do. But, you know, Castillo's taking a step back this year. I mean, I'm, and I'm not, he's young. I'm not saying it's unusual or, 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 or it's, you know, means he's not going to be a, a decent pitcher. But there's no doubt he's taking a step back this year. Yeah, but you and I have gone on record since episode number one of Red Lake Nation Radio. I struggle. Be impatient, be patient with the young, young especially yep. young pitchers. I, and I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is. Right, I get it. There are guys on other teams that come up have success early and build on that. We don't we haven't, see, no, we haven't seen that. Not with starters, certainly. And, and you know, Molly got sent back down. And I, and I, I honestly, I'll be honest with you. I haven't seen, I haven't looked to see what he's done since he got sent back down. He's been fine. Um, and I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be a, a three. Maybe, you know, if, if he really learns how to pitch, he might be a two. I think that's his ceiling. I think three, three is probably where I would uh, expect him to be. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, you know, Cody Reed threw today, and he, th- you know, he threw okay. Walked three guys again. Yeah, that was in his last inning. Um, well, uh, two, two of those guys were in his last. Your buddy inning. Stevenson got sent back down. Yeah. Or no, they got put him on the DL today, didn't they? Stevenson was put on the DL today. Yeah, tendonitis or something. Yeah, tendonitis, inflamed ERA, more like it. <laughs> Am I right? Or inflamed ego? Oh, that's definitely inflamed. Yeah, that's my guy. I know. I'm, I, I missed that one. Um, speaking of that interview with the pitching coach from, from, from Louisville. Jeff Facero, former Expo Jeff Facero. Actually, I think I think he was in the Dragons. or I think he was with the Dragons when I hit tickets. But I, I may be wrong about that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but the thing that cracked me up about the, when they talked to him, he says, guys get sent back down and they don't understand why they got sent down. Yeah. What are you guys? What are you a moron? I mean, <laughs> that would, I mean, if I was in Louisville and a guy said, "I don't know why they sent me down," I would pull out the freaking number and stuff the paper in his mouth. Yeah, let's print off your page from Baseball Reference. You Ugh. don't understand. Hmm. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's questionable. I, but I, I'll admit, I'll, I'll tell you this. You know, I, I I question whether the red system is as good as they say it is. Because this isn't the first time I've seen this, and and we never seem to develop young guys, and and especially pitchers. Maybe anything that becomes anything. Baseball. I agree with you on the pitchers. They have not developed pitchers. Baseball America, I think, in their most recent had a still number five or six in baseball farm system. So uh, you know, and 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 again, I I may be mis mis 
putting you misremembering or whatever here, but there's nobody that I can think of young guys that are going to come up and help us next year. I'm talking about any, you know, any young guys, maybe, maybe a couple guys in the bullpen or something. You're talking about pitchers strictly. Actually, even hitters. Who's going to come up here? Who's going to get make the, who are the Reds moved far enough along that they'll be up here next year could help us other than Senzel. See, there you go. Other than Senzel. Senzel's the guy. Well, he is the guy. That's a big win for the. But how many guys? How many? How many young guys the Braves bring up this year that have helped them? Hell, how many guys? How many young guys have the Cubs brought up this year that have helped them? Yeah. Well, here's what I think. I think Taylor Trammell should have an opportunity. He won't because of the way the Reds do things. I think Taylor Trammell should have an opportunity next year. I think he should. I think he should I be. Ask you who should I ask you who would? Okay. Well, that's those are different questions. Who should? <laughs> Taylor Trammell should have a chance to make the opening day roster, as far as I'm concerned, and. Well, t- Tony Santillan, the pitcher, should have a chance to make – he should have a chance to make the opening day starting rotation. I absolutely 100% believe that he could be the fifth starter next year. Will he get to that chance? No, because the Reds refuse to push anybody along. Because you're going to have Homer Bailey and Matt Harvey is one and two. I like Homer. I've been a fan of Homer for a long time. Well, he, you know, you're talking about guys that got, that got pushed along. Homer got pushed along. He did. A I mean, you can't, you can't you can't blame that forever, but but it is true he got pushed along. Well, but he was you know he had gotten to the point before he got injured that he was a good major league pitcher. Yeah, but he's not now. He's not now, and if the Reds have him in the starting rotation next, they shouldn't have him in the starting rotation for the rest of this year. But if they have him in the starting rotation next year, we're going to have a podcast where it's just you and I screaming into the night. <laughs> We're just going to be raging against the machine for an hour. It will be Primal Scream Therapy <laughs> Podcast. Yes, the whole podcast. <laughs> I would rather have Luis Alberto Bonilla starting for the Reds next year than Homer Bailey. So what you're saying is they should cut bait on Homer Bailey over the winter. They have to. If they can't trade him, they ought to release him. I mean, they have to. I know they're eating a lot of money, but that money's spent. Do you believe they, that there's... Any chance that they will do that? No. I don't either. No. I think that he they have to just eat that money and get rid of him. And they're, again, that may be Castellini, who doesn't understand the concept of sunk costs. Yep. But they've... Which is funny when you think of a million, you know, a multimillionaire that doesn't understand economics. <laughs> because that's, the, that's economics 101. You're going to have to pay that guy whether you pitch him or not. If you pitch him, he's going to hurt your product. So just pay him to go off silently into the night. Yep. Or, you know, I still think you got to get it through his head. Speaking of inflamed ego, I really think he could be an effective reliever. Now, maybe there's the stuff about him not being able to warm up quickly enough. I don't know if that's real or not. He says it's real. Well, I, I, I heard that also. I think maybe Chris told us that at one time. But he's still got a couple of pitches that can be decent in short stints. If he can amp up his fastball, it'd be better. I, I don't know. I think he could be a – somebody needs to introduce him to John Smoltz, you know, who came yeah. back and was a great closer. Learn learn how to reinvent yourself. Well, he's at the point in his career where he's got a lot of money. They've paid him a lot of money and whatever. But he's at the point where if he wants to continue being a big league player – He's going to have to understand it's not going to be as a starting pitcher. And I'm more, more than happy to give him a chance as a reliever. But he's got to figure that out. He's he's not a dumb guy. You hear interviews with him. He's a smart guy. But if, he start, if he's starting next year, we're going to just scream. I'll be right there with you. Oh, that would be a fun podcast. <laughs> Get a lot of uh, frustration out, won't we? Yeah. What about Harvey? Do you let me ask you this question? Is Matt Harvey a Cincinnati Red on opening day 2019? No. Oh gosh, I love you, Bill. Lack. Because I believe that, that Boris will take him where he, wherever he can get the most money. Yeah. And, and I think somebody will offer him more money than the Reds will. I hope. And the point I've seen, yeah, really, the point I've seen made a few times, and I think this is this is true. The Reds not trading Matt Harvey this year. It's really not that big of a deal in terms of you know whatever they don't they didn't get some you know double A prospect for him or whatever okay whatever that doesn't really hurt the Reds that much to not have you know to not get anything except, for him except taking starts away from other guys. There's two things right they didn't give up much to get him as much as we love Devin. 
Mezzarocco. But right. he's taken up starts from guys. But, again, six starts from Cody Reed is that, you know, I mean, it's not good. But that's not the worst thing in the world. And not getting any, any kind of double-A prospect for him, that's not the worst thing in the world, really. The, the, the part that concerns me is just what it says about this the dysfunction in the front office. Yeah, somebody is making somebody is making unexplainable decisions. Right, and this is not one that's going to kill the rebuild, but man, it's another data point towards what are they doing? In the immortal words of Pink Floyd, <laughs> another brick in the wall. Is is that what you went for? That's what I went for. I was going to say Bob Castellini to uh, to Matt Harvey in the immortal words of Pink Floyd. Wish you were here. I was going another brick in the wall. <laughs> yeah, right. You're right. You're right. Um, so I, I don't think Matt Harvey will be here. And if he is, oh, sheesh, that concerns me. Because and, and, and I, okay, let's look at it this way. Let, let's 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 try to be positive. <laughs> sure, whatever. Or he goes again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody ever says that about me about being positive. <laughs> right. Um, but let's say they they. Harvey gets no other offers or nothing. And he does come back here for two years, $20 million. Get out of town with that nonsense. No. I mean, I would give him a an incentive-laden contract, perhaps. I, you know, I'm not... But, but let me finish. Say they sign for that, and they go out and get your two guys that you want. No. And here's you, why. I'm not. You think, you think they could find somebody to be the number three that's better than Harvey I on think the team right now? If they go out and get those two guys that we're talking about, that's a big if. You know, free agent A and free agent B. Well, free agent A and trade some, you know, the minor league depth for B, or vice versa. If they go get those two guys, I don't see Matt Harvey next year or for the next three years being better than any of Anthony DiScalfani. Luis Castillo or Tyler Malley. Now, I'm not a, opposed to signing Harvey as depth if it's an incentive-laden contract um, and as insurance in case DiScalfani, you know, falls off a building like he is uh, prone to do. I mean, he yes. may get hurt. Speaking, speaking again of guys that can't stay healthy. Yes. When he's healthy, that guy's great. I love Anthony DiScalfani. He's a very good pusher when he's healthy. But he's never healthy. And we hope he is from now on. Um, yep. But you and you have to have more than five pitchers, so I can see a situation where signing Harvey is not a terrible idea, if the market's soft for him. I would not sign him for twenty million dollars because that's twenty million dollars that can go towards a good pitcher. I'd True. rather I'd rather have Cody Reed. Like it isn't like they don't have the money. No, they've got the money. Everybody wants to say they don't. They have the money. It's easy for me to spend other people's money, but they have the money, and they're going to spend some more money. That's been confirmed to us on the record and off the record. Yeah. They're going to spend more money. I'm we'll just worried, I'm just worried they're uh, going to spend it on Matt Harvey and Scooter Jeanette. And that's, again, I like Scooter. I don't have, I think you could make a case for Scooter being here. I don't think you're going to, I don't think there's any doubt that Scooter Jeanette's going to get a payday. I, there's, I, there's no doubt in my mind. Well, you can make the argument for that though. Depending on where he's playing and how much. The question much is how much and for how long. How long is the biggest question to me. Yeah. What would you give him? I would sign. I don't know how much I would give him, but I would sign him for three years. The thing's going to be going the Reds' uh, direction on that one is that second baseman on the free agent market have not gotten a lot recently, so it may be more affordable. I just I, would, I wouldn't go any further than three years. I, I'd probably lean towards two. Yeah. Well, if I can get him for two, I'll definitely sign two. Three, I would go. I, I, I agree. I would not go more than three, but I would pay him for three years. I, you know, he's. He's a, he can hit. He can't play second base very well. But I don't have a problem with Scooter being here. He's Chapter 39 in the Big 50. The men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds. Another dollar. There you go. That's all right. Um, you realize every time I mention it, 10 people listening to this podcast go out and order the book. So, you know, that's a dollar to me. That's right. Well, well you're your diamond Jim Brady that you are. Yeah, I'm rolling in all that book dough. If I had your money, I'd burn mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. All that, all that blog money. Oh, yeah, that's right. All that big blog money you're that's taking. Right. 
You guys got to go buy a book now to make up for uh, Bill Lack. I'm going to check the numbers. I'm going to make sure that a bunch of you guys have uh, bought the book after this. <laughs> so, anyway, can, can we circle back around to? Well, George? wait before before we get before we circle. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Anybody below the talent level of a Joey Votto? <laughs> That's everybody, literally in all That's of the basically- world. That's everybody in the world. The entire Would population any- of the world. Would you give anybody longer than a three-year deal? I would never give a pitcher anything longer than a three-year deal if I'd give him a three. But I'm not even sure I'd give a position player anything longer than a three. I disagree. Gee, what a shock. (laughs) We've been known to disagree. How are we still friends after all these years? Because I know you're wrong all the time. (laughs) And I accept that I'm wrong. (laughs) Your wife told me. Yes, believe me. Um. Okay, here's here's two words to counter that. Eugenio Suarez. You can't say that that was a good. You can't say that that's going to be a good signing in the last two years right now. Oh my goodness! I think that was. I think you're probably right. They probably will be. I think it's a great signing, and I think even if he, you know, flames out at the end of it. If he flames out after three years. Yes. Let's let's say he's. It's below market. It's below market value. Slay's replacement level last two years. Yes, it's absolutely worth it. Assuming the Reds don't continue to play him when he's that bad. You mean like Billy Hamilton? Hello? I'm I'm not putting up with this much longer, Bill. You and I have been doing these podcasts since 2007. And I'm not putting up with this hostility towards Billy Hamilton much longer. Does, does, have you ever met Billy? No, that's like my dream in life. I was going to say, because I mean, he really needs to know about this man crush you have. <laughs> I want I want someone to record a conversation between me and Billy because he's the only person on earth who is, whose accent is more ridiculous than mine. You know what I you know what I can hear it in my head. It's like, <laughs> it's like Ted Knight and Caddyshack. Ooh, Billy, 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 Billy. <laughs> oh my goodness, Ted Knight, Judge Smales. Judge Smales. And Caddyshack. Anyway, you were circling around to something before I interrupted you. <laughs> I, I, you interrupted by saying, no, I say Eugenio Suarez, great signing. Yes, there are players I would sign for more than three years. Um, not a ton of them, but what yes. About? Yes. I was circling yes. back around to Joey. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm not talking about Joey Lawrence from TV's Blossom. That's oh, cool. wow. There's a little 90s television reference for you there. The bad, a bad 90s television reference. <laughs> Joey Lawrence, who I actually saw on Broadway in Chicago years ago. Okay, now, we've, now you're going to throw your, your travels at us. See, we already know that you're Diamond Jim Brady. <laughs> now you're, you're, you're going up and going to Broadway shows. And Never been to Key West. You've been invited. That's true. All right. You made, you made me feel bad. Okay. I want to talk about Joey Votto. You've heard of Joey Votto. Joey Votto's a good baseball player. He's a pretty good player. What's wrong with him this year? Well, I, lately it's because he's hurt, but uh, on the course of the year, I don't know. Um, he's hitting only 284 and he only has nine home runs, and that doesn't sound like Joey Votto. Yeah. So, but I, let me. Let me tell you I mean, what I what I found. Go ahead. It's a I don't worry about one year. It's a blip. It's not a trend. See, you haven't even read the piece that I wrote for uh, Cincinnati Magazine, and you summarized it very effectively. <laughs> you're right. I think you're right. And I don't get paid by the word. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> all right. Um, I, I believe me. I don't know why Cincinnati Magazine pays me either, but they do. And. Um, it's for analysis that you came up with off the top of your head in 10 seconds. But all right, first of all, the question, what's wrong with Joey Votto? And people are concerned. And I think there's a reason for it. He only has nine home runs. His power is way off this year. So I decided to dig into it. And, you know, his OPS plus is 129. Still good. Still very good. Yeah. Uh, he's leading the league in on-base percentage. I mean, it's silly to say this guy's leading the league in OBP, and what's wrong with him? Yeah, there's guys in Major League Baseball who would give their right <clears throat> for, for a 129 OPS. Yes, yes, their right <laughs> ring finger. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> but, you know, but his power's way down, only a 419 uh, 
slugging percentage. And anyway, I, I decided to dig into it to see what the deal was because I was worried that's because he's getting old. And, and and that might be the answer. But what I found, it blew me away. I started looking at it, and his power is crazy off uh, it, for some reason. But every other stat, everything shows that he's the exact same hitter he's always been. He's uh, he's hitting he's actually hitting the ball harder. They have this stat that measures the percentage of balls in play that were classified as hit with hard speed. Yeah. It's the highest of his career this year. That's that, just weird. Not as high. As, no, I, I take that back. It was actually as high as since 2010 when he won the MVP. He, well, six years ago. I mean, that, that's a long time in, in player years. It's it's crazy. His exit velocity is up. He's hitting he's hitting the ball harder than he ever has. His launch angle's up. So you know, for those of you that are in the Statcast data, you know, it's uh, you know, it it makes so there really sense. is no answer to the question. According to Statcast, his expected slugging percentages here based on the way he's hit the ball, and they measure this for everybody, and they have this algorithm that tells you how this guy what his numbers should be. His slugging percentage should be five thirty two based on how he's hit the ball, but it's four nineteen. So I really do think it's – I mean, I think there's probably some age in there. He's not – his fly balls are a little bit shorter than they have been in past years. He's had some back issues earlier in the year, if you remember. There's some of it's maybe age. But I really do think it's a fluke that he's not hitting with power this year. Well, the other thing could be, too, is people are positioning against him better. That's part of it. Yep. That's part of it. I mean, um, that's, that's become a big part of the game now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's part of it. And, he, you know, we have to consider that. But um, I, you know, I just I think that it's a uh, he's going to decline. But I think that he's fallen off a cliff in terms of power this year, and I don't think it's a real. I don't think it's a real fall. I think that it's it's it, it, it's a it's a number that means something, but the the numbers that you look at don't explain why the numbers where it is. It doesn't make any sense other than right. that, that it's a fluke. I, I'm yeah. fully willing to concede that he's gotten, gotten older, and so you know those num- power numbers are going to come down. But it blew me away when I was reading it. It just absolutely blew me away. And uh, I think he's going to be fine. But here's the question I had for you when we started this whole conversation, which is he's going to decline steadily at some, at some rate over the next few years. How does that fit into where the Reds are in the rebuild? Do you have any thoughts on that? I think we'll I think we'll know a lot more by the All Star break next year to see we'll see whether this decline in power is real or or whether it's a blip or a trend. If it's a trend, and is there, you know, if he's declining while you think the team is getting better, then yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, it's a it's a problem, and I do think that. But it, it depends on how how steep his decline is, and. And we've talked in the past that, that his skill set is something that shouldn't drop off the table. Yeah, that's 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 what I think is that the amount that it has dropped off is not what it looks like based on the actual surface numbers. Right, right. I, I agree with you. And, and, and I think as we watch him age, I don't think it's going to be a dramatic – like what, what, we've talked in the past about second baseman their numbers seem to hit a spot and just drop off the table. I don't think Joey's skill set will be that way. I, I think he'll be a gradual decline, and at some point, and it'll be a difficult decision for the Reds to make, is when it's time to 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 find somebody else to play first base. Yeah, I, I think he will have a much better power numbers next year. That's That's my opinion, based on what I see from the numbers. But eventually, I mean, it, he'll be 42 probably and have a league average on base percentage. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, but his other numbers are likely, especially power numbers, are likely to decline. So, I don't think we're in any danger of him falling completely off the cliff. But okay, let me let me put it to you this way: Here, here's some, here's the way I put it in my piece at Cincinnati Magazine. Um, and you should go read Cincinnati Magazine; they've been very good to me. You know, I, should, I usually do. I just haven't gotten to it. You know, I, I usually do, and then I even share it on Facebook. For you it. do, and you're always great about that. You should also read the Big Fifty. The men and moments that made Cha-ching. the Cincinnati Reds. But the point I made was this, which is that uh, Joey Votto is going to decline. I don't think he's necessarily declined this year, even though the numbers may look like it a little bit. Still leading the league in on-base percentage, though. 
I think that the Reds, this is the single number one reason why the Reds should go all in this winter. Joey Votto's time is dwindling. He's still great. He's still a, you know, top shelf first baseman. He was an all-star this year. But those years are getting to the point where you can start to see the end of the road. That he's, should on, the, he's on the back nine of his career. I don't think anybody can argue that. And he wouldn't argue that. But that should be the reason why the Reds need to absolutely open up the checkbook, start trading some of these prospects, and let's have a playoff contender next year because you're not going to have Joey Votto forever. Does that make sense? I, I don't disagree with you. And, and boy, I'll tell you what, it's a tough division. It is a tough division, but I don't I don't see the Reds not being able to compete in this division. I think so, I think we're close enough. I think I, I if I given you my managerial prediction for next year. Oh, I want to hear it. Mike Matheny is gonna be the manager to Cincinnati Reds. Shut your mouth, Bill Lack. I'm telling you, you hide and watch. I'm getting I'm getting upset. Uh, you're not going to invite me back on here anymore, are you? <laughs> Buddy, we've been doing this for more than a decade. You know you're coming back. Jeez. All right, uh, Bill, like we really we we say every week we're gonna. I know we need to get out of here. <laughs> we got to we got to cut this one short. I got to go make my wife dinner. Uh, tell her I said hi. Um, let me ask you one question. She's been out cutting the grass while I've been doing this. So. Oh man, what a wonderful wife you have. Have well, I mentioned? You know what? And I'm I'm out of I'm out of work. You know, I don't have a job anymore. And she's bringing home a paycheck. Boy, I tell you, you better go give her a hug. <laughs> At least. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm going to do that with my wife as well. Um, I, what last question? I want to get your answer to. You asked earlier about what player in the minor leagues has a chance of helping next year. I'm going to shift that question a little bit. What player in the minor leagues do you think has? Uh, bumped himself up in terms of uh, who's who's made the most progress in, ter- in your mind in the minor leagues this year. Do you have anybody that you can think of that? I'll be honest with you. I haven't followed the Reds minor league organization as closely as I have in the past. You know, I've, I've been, I was working, getting ready to retire and, and kind of things. So I, I haven't really followed the minor league guys as, as much as I have in the past. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to give a decent answer. Yeah. Well, I'll put you on the spot there only because I wanted to say this guy's name and that's not fair to you. I apologize. Bill. Here he goes again. <laughs> There he goes again. There's a guy that plays for the Daytona Tortugas. It's first baseman. He came to the Reds. A wonderful ballpark. A fun ballpark. It's where I met Kerry Woods in that ballpark. Really? really? When he was pitching for the Daytona Cubbies. Ah, nice. Back in April, the Reds acquired this guy in a trade for Ariel Hernandez. Right oh, that's who you're talking about now. What, the guy's hitting like, he's hit like 70 home runs. <laughs> Something like 70 home runs. 36. Broke the Florida State League record for home yep. runs. And I've had some requests. And they kept him at low A all year. <laughs> See, that goes back to what we were talking about. Seriously, this is a guy that needs to be in uh, Pensacola. Absolutely. But you know, I've, I've if, had some... if he's at 18 home runs by the All-Star break or whatever he hit in low A or in high A, what does he have left to prove there? He literally broke the Florida State League record for home runs, and the Reds didn't feel the need to move him up to a higher level. Now, see now, I was gonna be. This was gonna be funny and fun, and we we're gonna have a good time with it. And now you've got me upset. Again. I got you aggravated again. <laughs> I've had some requests for me to say his name. Okay, go ahead. Are you ready for this? I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but Luis Alberto. No, wait, no, that's not it at oh, all. Oh God! Here he goes again. Let's try that again. All right, Ibandel Isabel. That's the new Lee Salverto, baby. That guy. There he goes again. He needs to. Why he's not in Pensacola, I have no idea. But... You want him on the big league team just so you can pronounce his name? Please. I'm, I'm rooting for that guy more than anybody in the red system so I can say his name every week on the Red Leg Nation radio podcast. You can subscribe to the Red Leg Nation radio podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast. We're there. Go and find us. It really helps us if you give us a review on iTunes. A five-star review, preferably. Go on there and tell people how much you like us. It helps other people find us. As we always say, if you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. 
Bill Lack is with me. He's uh, He's been with me at RedLegNation.com every day since day one. And uh, go to RedLegNation.com where you can uh, find all the analysis of the Cincinnati Reds every single day. We've been doing it for years and years and years since 2005. Um, Bill's at BillRedLegIn on Twitter. I'm still trying to get him to be more active on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. Well, I've been out there every now and again. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> dipping back your toe back in those waters. Uh, I'm at Dotson C. We're at RedLegNation on Twitter. Follow us there. And actually, we're at Red Lake Nation on every social media uh, platform you can find. Uh, Bill, man, always fun, buddy. Appreciate you. It's always a good time, my friend. Glad you're back from Key West. We'll get together again soon for Bill Lack and Isabendel Abednedel. <laughs> this is Chad Johnson saying so long, everyone. Very- Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.